Welcome to the Senior Dog Revolution, where we discuss how to give our senior dogs the best life they deserve, where age is just a number and health and happiness of our senior pets is a priority. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Senior Dog Revolution podcast. I'm Dr. Monica Tarantino, and I'm so excited you're here. Today, we have a very special guest. In fact, one of my amazing colleagues, Dr. Angela Gamboni, is going to be a guest with us here today. And we're going to talk about pet health insurance. In particular, we're going to talk about it in relation to senior dogs, of course. And Dr. Gamboni is going to share her experience with us with her own senior dog, Mr. Cole, who had health insurance as he was aging. And we'll also share our experience from the perspective of being veterinarians, but of course, as also being pet parents. I'm so excited. I've worked with Dr. Gamboni for about four years now at a wonderful practice in Fort Mill, South Carolina. She's phenomenal. She is smart, caring, talented, just all the things that you want in a veterinarian. So I can't wait to introduce her to you. So without further delay, let's get going. Welcome, Dr. Gamboni, to our podcast. We're so excited that you're here. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. And so today what we were going to talk about, and we're both really passionate about this topic, health insurance in senior dogs. Mm -hmm. And you actually had quite a bit of experience with it with your own dog, Mr. Cole. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I actually, ironically, I got health insurance for him when he was a senior. Yeah. So I got lucky getting it for him when he was a senior. You know, he was healthy until he until he was a senior, but um, yeah, I, I got lucky. Yeah. Um, and we had someone actually come to our clinic and talk yeah. to us about health insurance several um, years ago. Mm-hmm. And that was, to be honest, guys, the majority of pets across America are not insured. Health insurance for pets is really a really new thing mm-hmm. for them. And I think it's, I think it's like less than 10% yeah. or 10 to 12% are insured. Yeah. And I think insurance is a lot better than it was 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. So I do remember it back then and it, it is different. And honestly, like Monica said, part of what changed my mind was we had someone come to our clinic and talk to us about insurance. And I kind of thought about it. I was like, oh, you know, I'm a vet. There's a lot I can do, but there's a lot I can't do. Um, and literally a week or two after that talk, I enrolled my dog. And a month after that, he needed it every month to year since. <laughs> so I yes. I lucked out of my timing tremendously. Yeah. So the timing was really, was really important. One of the things that I wanted to talk to our audience about is just a little bit about the pros and the cons of health insurance for pets as far as what we see. One of the pros is going to be that it can help people afford and cover the cost of procedures and care Mm -hmm. that might come up for your dog as they get older. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's the the biggest thing. And the way I think about insurance is the insurance is the... um, expected but unexpected things, the things that I'm not planned for. But I, I know, you know, age is not a disease, but age is when things happen. Um, and I, I don't think of insurance for any of the wellness care. They do offer those. And I, I, I can't speak to a lot of that, but I feel like the wellness is what I expect, but I'm looking for it for all of the sort of unplanned things. Um, yeah, that's exactly. where it really helps out a lot. Exactly. Yeah. So the way that both Dr. Gamboni and myself, because I also have pet insurance for my own dogs, the way that we actually use it is we pay out of pocket for the mm-hmm. vaccines, the annual blood work, the annual blood work screening, all the things, heart room tests, heart room prevention, all routine the things, dental care. routine dental care. We pay out of pocket for that. And then we really use the pet health insurance for the unexpected illnesses that mm-hmm. come up. And that's traditionally how we use it. And, you know, one of the other things that we went over is in senior dogs is, is not that 
age is a disease, but that's when things happen. And, and the older they get and they kind of get older more exponentially quicker than we do, um, they're more prone to, to getting some of these things. Yeah. Um, and I almost feel like they, they happen with at an increased frequency too, when they get older for my dog, that was the case. But the nice thing with having insurance was he, he, he required some maintenance, but he maintained an excellent quality of life the whole time. Yeah. I mean, all of these things were things that modern medicine had a treatment and a therapy for that gave him a quality of life. And honestly, insurance able allowed me to let Mr. Cole have the best quality of life he could have had for his entire life. Yeah. And that's amazing. And that's what every pet parent wants for yeah. their, their own senior dog. And I think that's, that's kind of why we really want to talk to you guys about pet health insurance today. Now, as far as the cons go, like we all know, we all have our own health insurance. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we're lucky enough. We have our own health insurance. And we know that from our experience dealing with human health insurance, that there are some downsides, right? There's nothing worse than that frustrating phone call where people are, your health insurance company is saying they're not going to cover something that you feel like they should cover. I think it's really important just to, to state that I do believe that for some people, and I do, I know because we've done, we've done some um, surveys through Senior Dog Doc on Instagram and on our Facebook group. I know that some of you guys have had situations that have been frustrating to you where you feel like things weren't covered when they should have been. I don't think that we can say that that will never happen to you. Mm-hmm. But I do think that we can say that majority of owners, when surveyed, actually do recommend um, having pet health insurance from their experience. They would still get it again for their dogs. So important to remember that you'll probably still, there will probably still be times where you'll have frustrations with them because it's definitely not a perfect system. But like Dr. Gamboni so eloquently said, it allowed her to give Mr. Cole, who was her senior dog, the best quality of life that he could have had for as long as possible with all the care that he needed. So... Now, I really want to talk about Mr. Cole's story because he has one of the most <laughs> unique stories that there is. So Mr. Cole was was her senior Labrador mix. Mm-hmm. I met him, of course, four years ago. He was like, he's basically was your best friend. I mean, yeah. he was like there everywhere. He's... The only picture in her house. Yeah, he's broke. the only. <laughs> I'm in Dr. Gambone's house right now, and the only pictures that she actually has up are of Mr. Cole and her <laughs> around the house. That's how much she she loves him and still misses him. But we'll talk about Mr. Cole because one of the really interesting things that you even said earlier was that he actually was a really healthy dog mm-hmm. up until he became a senior. Yep. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about when things started happening for Mr. Cole? Um. So, like I said, I I. I got lucky and he had his first, I would say major issue a month after I got insurance. So if I could, if I could do it again, I would uh, probably get it for him when he was young. Cause I don't think I would be lucky enough to hit a month before that timing. Problem. Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. That was You're just a, a miracle. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you call it, but that was my luck. I, I'll probably only get it once. He did something super common, just like all, I guess, medium to large breed, middle age or senior dogs. He tore his first ACL. Yeah. He recovered wonderfully. He had surgery second year after that. And they promise you that it will happen within a year. He tore a second one. Um, yeah. But it was obviously nice to know that everything was covered. I knew what I was doing. So so, and that's a special surgery that yeah. we need a, like a board certified surgeon to do. So we are both general practitioner veterinarians and we do regular surgeries, but that with the metal implants and whatnot, that needs yeah. a boarded surgeon. And so that surgery typically in our area, at least it costs between Sorry. yeah 3000 to $5,000. We actually have yeah. behind Dr. Gambodi and I, you guys obviously can't see her. We have a really large, super senior, super senior Great Dane, Gracie, yep. who is 12 years 12 old, 12 and a half years old. 
who had, um, who actually tore her ACL at age 11, 11 and a half years old. And her surgery was closer to $7,000, right? Because of how big she was. So guys, these surgeries are not cheap and that would be difficult for us to afford, to be honest, (laughs) at that cost for our dogs, especially if they end up going and doing the second one, which the statistics show that it's between 50 to 80% of dogs that actually tear their first ACL on one leg, they'll actually tear the next, they'll tear the other leg, uh, within the, within a few years, within a year. Yeah. Uh, your insurance company ended up covering how much of those surgeries with the insurance that I had, um, it was a deductible incident and they consider ACLs, both of them, one incident. So the first one, it was a thousand dollars. And then I had to pay 10% after that. So I think I paid $1,300. The second time I only had to pay like 350 because I had already paid my quote unquote deductible for that problem. Yeah. So that's pretty amazing. So that's several thousands of, I mean like thousands of dollars. It would have been a $10,000 surgery. I paid 1700 for, right. for both. Right. And and kind of the nice thing too, when I hear Dr. Gambini talk about that experience with Mr. Cole is that should a complication have occurred, um, which it's actually pretty rare with that surgery. Yeah. If that, occur, that surgery is a very successful surgery for majority of dogs, even senior dogs should a complication have occurred she would have had pet health insurance. The complications get expensive when yeah. they do occur. And they're always, they're always just challenging and tough as a pet parent, as a doctor managing the cases, as everyone involved, but they get really expensive and you want to be able to do the thing that you need to do for them if that does occur. And I think that that just gives you that extra little bit of confidence and just that you can cover that you can give your dog that care that you, you need. So I think that's pretty amazing. So talk to us. So, so Mr. Cole, so Mr. Cole those were actually, yeah. And those were actually the easiest things of, of what he did. Um, so, so he did that. And how old was he by the, by he the way? He tore his eight, he eight and then nine. Okay. And then when he was 10 years old, so he just did like a new thing every year. <laughs> and the, the ironic thing is all of the things. And actually, like I said, I got super lucky. All of the care that he required that I, you know, uh, essentially when he became a senior dog, was all things I couldn't do for him myself. And I'm a, I'm a veterinarian. All the care that he needed as a senior dog required yeah, multiple specialists. specialists. Yeah. Um, so he had multiple doctors. Um, so when he was 10, he, I mean, I, I, I know this dog better than anyone else. So he loved his food. He ate all the time. When he was 10, he would start to maybe not eat one meal well, uh, one, like once a week. Yeah. And I would catch him vomiting outside like once a week. So kind of seemingly no big deal. He had great energy, but it's, I know my dog and that's not him. Right. So we did laboratory work on him. It was normal. You know, knowing what we know as veterinarians, his laboratory work is normal, but I know he's not. So the next thing is we took him to a specialist to get an ultrasound. um, And then he actually had a mass in his spleen. So sort of the lucky thing about that is catching something like that, uh, I guess, prophylactically. Yeah. Early. Early. Those are really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, you can, and we've talked about this before in our podcast, but you can have a tumor on the inside of your dog and blood work can look beautiful, Mm -hmm. right? Blood work can look normal, which is the case with Mr. Cole. So thinking that that was the reason he had the issue, um, we, because he was a senior dog, um, we took x-rays of his chest before surgery to look for spread of disease. And um, then he actually had three masses in his chest, which is is pretty worrisome. For me, sort of my thought was he feels 95% fine. 
Yeah. Um, so to get the information, he has to have his spleen removed, both to save his life and to give us information. And, you know, the other part of me is I love my dog. So I'm going to do everything. But I also knew that, you know, having experience with his claims before, this is all going to be covered. So I'm allowed to figure out what this is. Right. Um, right. Oh, no, I was going to say, and one, I don't know if you guys just kind of picked up on that, but one of the really big important things that Dr. Gamboni talked about right there was that Mr. Cole, during this whole time, he had an amazing quality of life. Like he, as far as he was concerned, he was great. He yep. was getting around really well, going for his walks as a senior dog, yep. um, eating and drinking well 95% of the yep. time, except yep. for that once a week when once he would just eat it slower. Eat it slow. He yeah, still ate ate slower. But he may he would take five minutes to eat and then he might have taken fifteen. Right. Like walked away from it, which was, which was weird. Yeah. Um, and that's really important when you're trying to decide whether or not to do like a big, a big surgery on a dog or, or per- pursue surgery on them is their current quality of life. And so her, his was still great. He still had a lot of life left to give at mm-hmm. this point, despite knowing that he had a tumor on his spleen and three ma- possible masses. masses in his chest at this yep. time. So we, um, had a spleen taken out that we actually had done at, at, at our clinic. Um, it was by another coworker of ours. So the, luckily the mass came back benign, which is fantastic news, except for it doesn't explain what was going on with it. in his chest. Right. Yep. So then from there, um, because his, his spleen was benign, he actually went to a specialty hospital. He had a CAT scan, um, to look for masses or tumors elsewhere in his body that we can't see on physical blood work, x-rays, any of that. And he had none. So again, no answers. Um, so <laughs> and this is important because this is yeah. sometimes this is how medicine goes. Mm-hmm. And I think Thankfully, we're in the field, so we kind of understand it. But sometimes you don't get answers right away, and it can be frustrating. But there is a limit to medicine. Like he had the most detailed diagnostic you essentially can get a CT scan. We still say, and we still couldn't figure out what was causing the occasional decreased appetite or those masses in his chest. So recommendation was to you know by the specialist, essentially he's an oncologist, to just monitor those masses and monitor for any other changes in. his behavior, his blood work. So essentially a little bit of a, a wait and see, but careful. Wait and see under monitoring. So the minute there's a change, I can do something about it. Right. Um, so that's the difference when I say wait and see. And that can be really scary, I think, as a pet yep. parent when you're kind of just told like, okay, we know something's there, but we just want you to watch them. Yeah. But that was that was the best thing to do for yep. Mr. Cole at that time. Cause you have this option. You could be like, no, I want to go aggressive and like yep. get, get the darn mass out of his lungs. Now, you know, you can, you've got a lot of things running through your head. Yep. And so, but wait and see for Mr. Cole at that point, wait and see under monitoring, wait and so, see while monitoring. Yeah. Exactly. It was, it was his, his chest and his, his blood work. Exactly. Okay. Yep. And so what happened when you guys, when you guys did the wait and see, so, and monitoring? wait and see. So the recommendation was doing, um, essentially blood work and chest x-rays every three months. Um, to, to see if anything changed. Um, and then, so gosh, the, he, the ultrasound he had was in March of 2018. Um, by the time we had the CT, it was May of 2018. Everything stayed stagnant for a long time. I actually got, uh, reached out to the specialty hospital to ask for an ultrasound again, probably in September. You know, I know medicines, something's there. It just hasn't, hasn't um, materialized enough to see it. Right. So let's do another one just for, uh, I know something's there. Right. Just just to check. Yeah. 
It was normal. (laughs) So, and then he had one more in November because, you know, he's, he's a senior, there's something brewing, but maybe it's, you know, it, it doesn't have to be bad. Um, I'm doing a dental on him. So I want to know that everything still looks good before we do a dental. So three months, every three months, chest x-rays, blood work. And oh, the one thing on blood work is he had one white blood cell count that started to creep up a little bit. It's called an eosinophil, yeah. which we see with allergies, parasites. But the other thing for Mr. Cole, and this is one reason we recommend blood work when pets are healthy and monitoring, even when they're doing well, is I knew his value was 1,000. His value was 1,000 his entire life. Now it's 1,300, which is like a smidge above normal, but it's like that's that's abnormal for him. Right. So I know it's abnormal for him. So we had another ultrasound just because he had that small change and doing a dental to make sure that things were still good. Yeah. His mouth was still comfortable. So this is still important to things do for these. Jobs. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you guys did, so you guys did the ultrasound. Still good. Still good. Everything um, looks good. Yep. You went ahead and you did the dental. Did the dental. Him. We also dewormed him and crossed, you know, just in case. Right. Yeah. Did the dental. Everything's still good. And then that value that's called the eosinophil just kept incrementally creeping up just ever so slightly and everything else still stayed and he looks great otherwise his symptoms never got worse okay ever so then come i think it was january 2019 did our x-rays again like we're supposed to and those masses got bigger so then i called the specialty hospital again and they said let's do the cat scan and the ultrasound Again. Again. Right. Um, so how many, this is his third CAT scan at this, this time? Is, this would be his second His one, second actually. one. Okay. But it's and like fourth ultrasound. Fourth ultrasound at this time. And multiple okay. chest x-rays and blood work. Yeah. And um, you were doing chest x-rays just to clarify, was it every, every three two, months? Every three months on him since yep. the splenectomy, yep. since we re- since they removed his spleen. So it was almost a year, um, uh, 10 months later that they started to get bigger. So they said, let's do an ultrasound again. Let's do a CAT scan again. And then they said, let's try to essentially do a needle biopsy of those masses in his chest because everything else so far has come up with no answers. And still clinically, he was exactly the same. He looks good. Same, same. No, no worsening of a symptom. So okay. me monitoring him at home, quote unquote, would have given me no clue that things were getting right, worse. Right. So if um, you had not been doing these diagnostics, the blood work, no. the x-rays, you would never have known this nope. stuff was actually happening. Um, so he went and got those tests again, and now he has a mass in his intestines. So not great, but that was what was brewing the entire time. Right. Um, so, and the masses in his chest, they just weren't able to get get to with a needle. So didn't do that. Um, he had essentially surgery again at a specialist to remove the mass in his intestines and essentially take out a chunk of his intestines and reattach them. He got that, he got those biopsied. Um, and then there was discrepancy on what it was. Yeah. So there's some confusion. So when the biopsy results came back for that mass that they removed from his intestines, there was some confusion actually over what the darn Tumor was yep. what the, what the they mass got was. second opinions, special stains. The pathologist called it a mast cell tumor with what's called an eosinophilic granuloma component. You know, the pathologist is they have the history, they have the slides, but they don't have the patient, they don't have right. you know, my year history. So at this point now, Cole has surgeon an oncologist and an internal medicine specialist added in. Um, and the internal medicine specialist and the oncologist said, There's no way, there's no way that's what it is. He wouldn't look this good, feel this good. And we know because of the monitoring we had done, 
he he wouldn't still be here if that's what was happening a year ago. Right. This is not possible. Right. So keeping that in mind, they said, well, we'll keep in mind that he says mast cell, but we'll treat it like kind of a little bit of both mast cell and eosinophilic granuloma. And then we will monitor him. Yeah. Um, so that meant steroids and it meant oral chemotherapy, um, which again, the whole time, Mr. Cole had a great quality of life. He was some maintenance. We had, you know, those pill cases and yeah. <laughs> things like that, but, um, he, he never got any, 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 any sick or any worse. The only thing that he ever, that we had, uh, issues, not issues, but figuring out was he's, he's very sensitive to medicine. Yeah. So, uh, actually Monica helped me with this a couple of times. He, he was sensitive to steroids. So, you know, there were times where while we were figuring out doses, he could tolerate, um, he did some supportive care. Yes. I think he was hospitalized twice. Yeah. I think you did that for me. Yeah. I basically just handed it to him work and said, just do what you need to do. <laughs> One of the funny things about being a vet is that sometimes when it's your own pet, yeah. you kind of shut down. You like, I can't wear, I cannot wear my veterinarian hat and my pet parent hat. At the same mm-hmm. time for my own pets, I can only wear one and it's usually the pet yeah. parent hat. Yeah. So same thing with Dr. Kenway. So Mr. Cole, he tolerated that chemotherapy really well, yeah. but it was really interesting seeing how sensitive he was to the medication. Yeah. And he actually did fantastic throughout yeah. the entire time. He just had those two events where he was hospitalized. Yeah. He was a little bit dehydrated, yep. had a little bit of GI upset, some while diarrhea. While we were figuring out we were his figuring, medicines. Yeah. And then we treated him for that and he just yeah. still did his thing. Yep. He was happy. He'd walk in that clinic every day, yep. wagging his tail, happy as can be that he was coming in with his mom. <laughs> Yeah, he. Everybody got to know him pretty well last year, (laughs) and then because he, um, so he was just on oral meds, but because there was discrepancy between sort of the pathologist and internist and oncologist about what this was, he was monitored every month the rest of his life, and Mm -hmm. the monitoring was an ultrasound, it was an extensive panel of blood work, a urinalysis, chest X-rays. Every month. So I would say with monitoring the medications, I'm trying to guess because as How far as one bill, because it was yeah, like a bill to the drug company, a bill to the, yeah. um, I would say it was about at least a thousand a month. And that's not including the twice where he needed, you know, he was hospitalized at our clinic. Yeah. Just for his maintenance. Yeah. And that was like, he got his blood work done, his ultrasound done. They're like, he's good to go. Come back next month. Right. <laughs> Which was fine. But right. that's. But it, and I, I mean, like I couldn't, I can't afford a thousand a month I, with my student yeah. loans. So, so I didn't, ha- I didn't have to say no to any of yeah. it. Um, so you're able to do it all. Yeah. And Dr. Money over, so like over his lifetime with his two knee surgeries, all of the diagnostics that he kind of had to do as things kind of started, yeah. all the major things, the chemotherapy, the surgery, the two surgeries that he had yeah. to have. How much do you think that you saved if you guys like added it all up? I th- um, or how much do you think the insurance try, company covered? I think adding it all up, I think the insurance company covered about, it was about 40000 And that was just in the last four years of his life. Yeah. So I would not have $40,000 no. to spend in several years on my, my dog. No. And throughout that time, I think the, the biggest, like for me, the biggest takeaway is this, is that you were able to give him a great quality of life during those last mm-hmm. four years, despite all the things that he had going on, mm-hmm. um, simply because you had this extra financial backing through the pet yep. insurance company through the insurance company. And we talked about how so do you do you mind sharing with them who you actually had? Yeah, I actually had um True Panion. So True Panion so, yep. pet, pet health insurance yep. company. And that's and they did a fantastic job mm-hmm. for you. And it's not we're not endorsing them guys. There's so many pet health insurance companies uh out there. There's 
Embrace, there's yep. Pet Plan, there's yep. all, a lot of them. And actually, in the next couple of weeks, Megan, a registered technician, and I are going to go through the different your all's feedback to us and what was the best pet health insurance companies from your all's perspective. Because we got some data from you guys a couple months back that we're going to share here in the podcast. But they did they did a great job. Did you did you ever have any times where you felt like you were struggling with like that they didn't reimburse you for something? No, no, you didn't. I actually, That's amazing. I, I'll be honest. I was surprised with some of the things they covered only because, you know, I insured him when he was eight. And I do very much understand that the difference with pet and people insurance, if there's anything pre-existing, they won't cover it. He'd had an ear infection here or there. You know, he's my own dog. So there were times when I maybe didn't document his medical notes as great as I should have. Mm-hmm. And it is what it is. So I, you know, when they request his entire history, I understood that there were probably some things that they may not cover because I didn't write it well enough or whatever. And, and they didn't. They actually, their biggest right. question, and they they asked, because um, they, they request your medical records, they review everything. They asked Michelle, our um, uh, reception manager, why did this dog have so much blood work in its life? And it was only because, you know, because I didn't write anything down. I just did the blood work. Well, right. I, I didn't examine him. I just did the blood work because he, because I, I wanted it every six months on him because I knew it would help. Yeah. And I didn't have a reason. It was just, he just need, he just, yeah. so they were like, what's wrong with this dog? <laughs> There's nothing, nothing wrong. It was just a mom that wanted yeah. to scream. And, and I, um, I ordered some medications on my own, like set up my own account, um, because it was easier to get stuff to ship to my house. So it's just a receipt with my name, no recommendation, no whatever. It's cheaper for the insurance company. Right. It was just convenient for me. And I thought that there would be an, an issue with that. And they, they, yeah. they covered it. They covered, they covered everything. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that story with us, because I think it's going to be really helpful to a lot of pet parents out there who are kind of wondering. I know that I was able to get both Jose and Twig, who are two of my senior dogs that are nine and 10, covered two years ago. They've been covered. They've done fantastic with, with theirs. And then I know that I'm always recommending it now whenever I go into a room just because of this. And like I said, like we said in the beginning, guys, we can't say that you won't 100% have a struggle with it because, you know, we all know from our experience with with human health insurance that sometimes it can yeah. be challenging. Sometimes it, it, it's frustrating. They don't cover what you think they should. Um, but we wanted to share Dr. Gambini's experience because of just how much she got out of it, how much her and Mr. Cole got out of it, mm-hmm. like how how wonderful of a life they were able to yeah. All the treatments they were able to do, give to him because of it. So well, thank you for being here again. We appreciate you. Thank you. Of course. I hope this helps somebody. And that concludes our episode on pet health insurance. Thank you guys so much for being here. As you guys can tell, Dr. Gamboni is one of the most authentic, caring veterinarians out there. So it was awesome having her on the show here. We hope that you guys found that information helpful. The We want to let you guys know officially that neither Dr. Gamboni or myself actually have any sort of affiliation with any pet health insurance company at all. Um, we really just wanted to share the information with you. And then next week, what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually share the information that you guys provided to me on Instagram regarding pet health insurance companies. And we had several hundred people fill out some polls for us a couple months ago, and we're going to share your guys' comments and your perspective on pet health insurance company from the pet parents out there and let you guys know what that is. And I'll be doing that with a wonderful registered veterinary nurse named Megan next time that I'm excited to introduce to you guys. So looking forward to that next in the next two weeks. And otherwise, I hope that you and your senior dogs are having an amazing day. Thanks.
All content on Senior Dog Revolution is for informational purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for any type of professional veterinary advice for your pet. Your dependence on the content of any information found on Senior Dog Revolution is at your own risk as nothing discussed or mentioned here can replicate a true doctor-patient relationship between yourself and a veterinarian. As always, for veterinary care and advice for your pet, please see your veterinarian.